Wheel of Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're going to cover chapters 13 through 21 of The Dragon Reborn, the namesake of this podcast. Uh, last time. So previously, uh, Rand bailed on his little dragon cult to go try and touch a sword that you can't touch. Uh, I mean, I guess he didn't get the memo. Uh, the dragon peeps go after him, thus beginning the Great Hunt. One book late, I guess. They're going on the Great Hunt <laughs> after the Great Hunt. Uh, it's pretty easy to follow Rand because everywhere he goes, shit just is like going sideways. People getting married in droves and white cloaks going crazy. So, uh, you know, Tavarin, right? I don't know. Uh, and basically Perrin is acting emo, Moraine is kind of a dick, and Loyal is waxing poetic about how angering an Aes Sedai is sort of like getting a colonoscopy from a rabid honey badger <laughs> or something. <laughs> I don't know. He has, he has a bunch of them. Uh, also, uh, the groupies of the Dragon D return to Tarvalon and no one seems particularly happy to see them. Which is sad, you know? They went to a lot of trouble. I'm sorry, the groupies of Dragon D? The groupies of the Dragon D, yeah. That's, that's what I call the, the people who are all in love with Rand for no apparent reason. It's true. Uh, that, yeah, it doesn't I make mean, any sense, accurate. but I mean... Well, Nynaeve's not. Viren, we don't know, jury's still out. Yeah. I, and uh, what was it? Le- was it Leanne who uh, who also was like leching on him, even though she's like... Uh, she was leching on everybody. Okay, that's true. Not Leanne. Leanne is the keeper of the... I know. Yes. Is she, is I'm, she... I'm making a wide-eyed stare, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yep, she totally was. She was at the medical bay, or the medical ward, just like, scoping them out and being like, yeah, I'd hit that. All right. Yeah. I didn't I didn't connect that that Leanne was the same as... Yeah, she she yeah. is the second most powerful woman in the White Tower, and is apparently really into young men. Mm-hmm. All right. Very well, young men. You know what? All the more power to her. I don't know. I mean, like, isn't that a little creepy? I mean, They're over she age. didn't do anything, right? She They're not, though. Them. I mean, how old are they? Aren't they, like, 15? Well, the age of consent is, like, 12 in Andor. Oh, <laughs> I love the way you said that. Just so much conviction. <laughs> I mean, I so you didn't even have to think about it. <laughs> I keep track of the age of consent in all the fantasy kingdoms. <laughs> it's an important thing to know, okay? <laughs> it's not creepy. In the Shire, it's 26. <laughs> but hobbits live a long time, don't they? Wait. Yeah. Which is why it's 26. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, the, they have a lot of, like, they look like children's. So they have a lot of human pedophiles coming to the Shire trying to pick up hobbits. It's really, yeah. It's I mean, it's, 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 yeah. Not, it's not very funny, Alice. Stop laughing. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's horrible. This is a pretty dark topic. <laughs> <laughs> the age of consent in the setting is like 80, though. So, you know. It, no, it's, we know what it is, right? It's like 100. Because Loyal is beneath the age of adulthood. Well, that's true. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's he ran away. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter 13. Punishments. With the icon of the Tarvalon flame. Egwene and Elaine are in their cells, whispering to each other, because they're, the cells have whisper holes. And they're like, they've been forbidden to speak. They're yeah. not allowed to talk at all. <laughs> right, yeah. It, was just, it seems like a kind of an awkward authorly convention for why they can't explain what's going on. Yeah, mm. and Egwene is obviously pretty pissed off about that, because, you know... She talks all the time. Yeah, he talks all yeah. the time. She's a super talky person. And she's a little... They're a little upset, too. Egwene thought that they were going to be heroes because they revealed the Black Aja. They did. Yeah. She's right. Yeah. They did participate in a battle somewhat, heroically. Mm-hmm. They did have an adventure, and they did get out of it okay, and they did collect a bunch of useful information. Yeah. yeah. But... But no. They refuse to be stilled, uh, which we know 
with Egwene, at least, that means she's going to blow anybody up that comes close to her. <laughs> yeah. So when it she, comes to stealing. They, they, like, I don't know if the I said I know this, but they really got to be careful with Egwene because she's got a little bit of like a... a trigger. A trigger finger going right now, you know? Yeah. But they get summoned to visit the Umberland seat after, you know, hanging out in their cell for a while. Mm-hmm. And they learn from the Umberland seat that not only did Leandrin take them, Leandrin left the White Tower with a dozen... Others and she like heisted the crap out of the place. Yeah, she murdered like a dozen people. Yeah, and stole they stole a bunch of terra angreal, which are the, these priceless relics that nobody knows what they do. I assume I assume one of them at least is a flashlight, just like flashlight. You know, yeah, I'm sure. Take, it has like a light <laughs> at the end. Flashlight. You know? yeah. Sure. It's got no batteries. Nobody knows how to make it work. Yeah, but they. Uh, this is. I thought it was a little strange. Like, remember when Leandrin was leading them through the ways? She had, like, a scrap of paper that she was reading to get yeah. them through the ways? Yeah. Like, nobody knows how to get through the ways except the Ogier. Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe the Black Aja know how to use these Terran Grial. Maybe they were picking the ones they took on purpose. I, I assume that they have oh. some sort of... Yeah, I, I assume... Because they got to connect with the Forsaken, right? The Forsaken and also probably the Dark One. My, my Like, in my thinking, like, they basically had a shopping list. And he was like, go get these items on the list. Because, you know, we, we want them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Who, yeah so. who made the Terran Grail in the first place? Was it other Aes Sedai back in the Age of Legends? Yeah, that. Okay. Uh, and I guess they made a whole bunch of different ones. So mm-hmm. they have all different purposes, made at different times. Mm-hmm. And the gag is that even though a, f- a handful of them, they know what they do, they're probably using them for the wrong thing. Like, they're probably not using them for yeah. that kind of purpose. I think he's kind of right. Most of them are just flashlights. They're just utility stuff. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 they're making... I mean, this was 3,000 years ago or something. So, I mean, number one, probably most of them have been lost or been destroyed. So what remains isn't necessarily the most important stuff or mm-hmm. even, like, the most valuable stuff. It's just whatever happened to survive. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, the Umberland seat, Swan Sanche, tells them that it's been put about that they are runaways to cover up this whole story. Because it would be even worse for them if they knew that they were associated with Leandrin. Who everybody suspects now is Black Aja. Right. I think I think we know she's Black Aja. Well, we we know, and I the Amarlin seat says, I I basically know. I mean, I don't know, but I know. You know, it's, yeah. it's there's no proof exactly, and she wants to deny it, but she knows it's probably true. I'm getting a little frustrated with how secretive all the Aes Sedai are. I feel like there's a lot of lack of communication going on, which gets a little frustrating after a while and they just they just um say that it's part of who they said i are they're secretive and i don't know where i'm going with this uh, <sighs> well I, I, it is annoying there's a lot of the drama here is stuff that wouldn't be drama if these people would just communicate with each other yes. they don't i think it, what it comes down to is because of the way that the politics of the white tower work nobody trusts anyone else Mm-mm. like the the Amarlin seat you know she sort of trusts Moraine. She does trust Liane, uh, you know, in general, but she also doesn't know that any of them are Black, Black Aja because, you know, anyone could be exposed. Yeah. I think of part of what makes it frustrating to me is that there's so much knowledge that is lost just because nobody's sharing it. Like, we learn later on that the last Dreamwalker, I think it's called mm-hmm. Aes Sedai, had all these amazing powers and knew all this stuff, but she didn't share it. They play their cards so close to yeah. their chest that we lose so much. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that. Yeah. So they're Egwene and Nynaeve and Elaine are going to be punished as though they were runaways to maintain the fiction that they were runaways. Yeah, which is, you know, I, I guess being scullery maids is like the worst worst punishment for, for them. It's pretty awful. 
I mean, yeah. If you have to do it without your powers, that'd be annoying. Yeah. I suppose it is annoying. And 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 the the spanking thing still it, it it weirds me out a little bit cuz like these people are older now, right? I mean, well, I, I think the novices are usually supposed to be girls and this is supposed to be like a a prep school kind of experience where yeah. they're it's like boot camp where they're they're beating you into shape, you know, <laughs> using corporal punishment to break down your mental barriers or whatever. That's that's the explanation, but you're right. It is weird. I mean, Nynaeve is what? How old? How old you would you say Nynaeve? I know it's hard to to tell because like they don't. 20, say. Around I thirty, I would say. I think she's yeah. older than that. I, I was thinking twenties, maybe. Yeah, they they say she's only a few years older than Egwene. Oh, okay. That's well. I guess she isn't accepted. But if she wasn't, she would have gone in as a novice. If she didn't already have, you know, she wasn't a wilder or whatever, mm-hmm. and they'd be. Well, you can't say wilder. Her. That's offensive. <laughs> They'd be spanking her, right? It's weird. The spanking grown women. Yeah. But maybe that's actually, now that I think about this, maybe that's just something they do to the young novices. Maybe they punish the older ones in a different way because spanking works with kids. I well, mean, who knows? Maybe Marines get spanked when they're in boot camp. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a good point. We don't know. I've never done it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just, it, it struck me like that was one of the punishments, punishments that she specifies for all three of them is that they're all going to go to Sherry study and she's going to spank all of them. Or, you know, beat them with a... Well, we don't know exactly what's going on in Sherry's study. We just know their back ends hurt at the end of it. <laughs> that, I think she does say specifically that, that they're going to lash her, but, but maybe not. You know, not so maybe. either it's a way of, like, infantilizing these women and humiliating them because they think they're acting like children, or Robert <laughs> Jordan is just kinky. It's hard to say, yeah. It, it's, uh, yeah. It, definitely, it definitely felt a little bit... Unusual, but I, th- I think you're right. I think it might be a humiliation thing, like mm-hmm. that, because that's that's really what it is. It's to punish them for acting like children, I suppose. So. Mm-hmm. What was it? The weird thing that we figured out. What, what is it that Robert Jordan we decided was really into? Was it the way women smell? Was that it? Uh, I thought it was women humiliating men or something. Or... It, he, what he's into is women being in a position of power over men and acting predatory and like catching them naked. Oh, right, right, right. Which, yeah, that, that was weird. Lot, which, yeah. <laughs> we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that point. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, this conversation, back, back to Schwan Sanche talking to them, is full of fish talk. Oh, my yeah. God. It's, yeah, yes. everything she we says. We get it, Swan. Yeah. Swan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, she this has to remind people every other sentence that I was a fisher girl. When I see blood and fish heads in the water, it means I don't have to see the silver, whatever it is, silver <laughs> fishers or whatever they are. The... Yeah. So, also, uh, Morghese wants Elaine back immediately, and there's been a rift between Morghese, the Queen of Andor, and Tarvalon over this, which is a really serious... I think that's a reasonable thing to have a rift over. Yeah. yeah. We lost your, your daughter, the daughter heir of Andor. Yeah, the future... Prob- probably the future Queen of Andor. Yeah. And we have no idea where she is. <laughs> yeah. But so... Uh, but Swan is not going to send Elaine back immediately, because... He needs to train her up at least, so she's not a loose cannon out there yeah. with the power. Can I can I share? I I uh, made sure I took the exact same metaphor. When there are fish heads and blood in the water, you don't need to see the silver pike to know they are there. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> that's deep. And, and you know that's that's Swan for you. Yep, more fish talk from Swan. <laughs> but it's also interesting because they they in addition to all the punishment, they are uh, Elaine and Egwene are being fast tracked to accepted. Yeah. Yes. Which is not really a punishment, exactly. I mean, she tries yeah. to paint it as one. But it's, I guess being an accepted means basically you, you can channel yeah. your 
you've got the basics down, you're a, a white belt or something. <laughs> so they are, right? They spend all this time out there, you know, in, in practical on-the-job training using the power. Yeah, they yeah. meet the criteria, for sure. I do think that the punishment is very fitting, though, because as Swan points out, it was so stupid of them to let themselves go with Leandrin in the first place. It was just idiotic. It was stupid. Yeah, we yeah. said so at the time. Come on. Yeah, it was really? So obvious. You're, like the red Aja Aes Sedai who's mean and like awfully evil seeming. You're going to just trust, <laughs> take her word for it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, don't else. tell anybody else. Okay. Yeah, that's, yeah. that was a little. Um, <clears throat> but but it, it's they also talk about the fact that. Um, that these these relations, the, the Andor and uh, Tarvalon relations that go back like a thousand years. So this is mm-hmm. this is a pretty big deal. It's very it's kind of dire that that this would fall apart as a result of what happened. Mm-hmm. And with that, uh, Swan dismisses Elaine to talk to Egwene and Nynaeve alone. Chapter fourteen: The Bite of the Thorns, <laughs> with an image of a reflection or something. I wasn't sure what that was supposed to be. Yeah, what was that? It's a guy with a helmet. It looks like, and then it's reflected. Maybe it's dark friends. Yeah, this is definitely new. We haven't seen this one before. Yeah, because there's a dark friend stuff in this chapter, so maybe that's what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Swan is going to have Egwene and Nynaeve hunt the Black Aja in the White Tower. It sounds like a good plan. Because she's recruiting her own little secret police force. Like, the whole... She, she dresses them down and says, we're going to punish you, and now we're going to... Now I'm going to use you to, to do this. Because, because they're the only ones that she trusts. Because they're the only ones that the Black Aja has actually attacked. Well, you have to remember, though, that trust is as slippery as a basket of eels sometimes. <laughs> the point is, you two are what I have to work with. Thin reeds, though you may be. Yeah, I'll give so you a thin reed. That's a double, that's a double fish metaphor, or a double, double waterway metaphor. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, I wrote, I wrote down in my notes again, like, even more fish talk from Swan <laughs> What if she wasn't actually a fisherwoman? Maybe this is like some whole story she just invented to make her seem like... The every man. <laughs> she really leans yeah. into it so that like so nobody questions it. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. So they're gonna yeah, they're gonna send her out to hunt the black aja and they're really terrified because that's pretty scary. It's a little fucked up too, because um the Armorlin is explaining why she chose them and she says, um I'm she basically says, I'm not sending Varen to do this because I trust Varen with more than my life, but how far can I take it? Which I read to mean that she isn't willing to have Varen die, to lose Varen. Oh, oh could be. Yeah. So Varen's not expendable? Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought maybe it was that she didn't entirely trust Varen either, but I don't know. Yeah. Right. Varen, I don't entirely trust Varen. She does a lot of... She, she well, okay, it's difficult to gauge, right? Because every Aes Sedai kind of does this, but she's clearly... Motivated by her own ambitions and her own objectives, yeah. which are not necessarily perfectly aligning with what everyone else is trying to do. Like Varen is is a is is Brown Aja. She's pursuing knowledge no matter what. You know, <laughs> uh, she she clearly didn't have a problem with the whole Dragon Reborn thing. She's like, it'd be really interesting to document what happens when the Dragon Reborn cracks the world again. You know, <laughs> so it's 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 hard to trust her for that. You know, yeah. she's very dispassionate. <clears throat> Her, the decisions that she makes aren't necessarily for the benefit yeah. or the common good so much as pursuit of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. What you said about Varen, I hadn't thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, Su- Suan Sanche also gives Egwene and Nynaeve 
hall passes <laughs> yeah. to do anything they want. Uh, you know, letters that say Get whoever trophy. does this yeah. is doing this on my authority, Swan Sanche. And Nynaeve immediately is like, how can I abuse this so I can make a water dance? And she's like, yeah, but don't. You know? yeah. <laughs> I mean, please don't. <laughs> I have a, so do you think this would actually work? Like this little piece of paper that, like, like anyone could do that, right? Anyone could yeah. write, yeah, the Omerlin seat says this is cool. Well, there's, it has her seal and her name on it, so I guess you'd have to recognize that. Oh, yeah. also, I and, didn't realize one of the, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, at the very least, it would, it would give them pause to go check up on your story and get confirmation, which yeah. is probably enough, probably what you want. But this, this has a lot of historical precedent, because there didn't used to be instantaneous communication, so you would have to send somebody with a specific writ around with your authority. And the seal was, I guess, the, the, the all the very, because there's no other way to verify it. So I guess the seal Pretty would be much, yeah. the authentication. Yeah. I just want to say that uh, we find out in that letter that Swan Sanche has a really cool title, too. She's not only the Omerlin seat and the flame of Tarvalon, she's the watcher of the seals. That's true, yeah. I thought that was super seals. cool, yeah. yeah. She's talked about this before, the fact that it is technically the Omerlin seat's job to guard the seals of uh, of Shalgol. Shao, what is it? Shale Yeah, that's Shale right. Gold. The Dark One's prison. Uh, uh, hindered by the fact that she doesn't actually know where any of them are. <laughs> right. That's a problem. We just yeah. got to watch something. So not watching them super well. But, you know, she does her best. So, yeah, they're on a mission now. Now, the the we know where their plot is going for them in this book. I take issue with this a little bit because <clears throat> Nynaeve does not strike me as a particularly subtle or cunning person. Like, her approach to things is... Tends to be pretty direct. We'll talk about this in the chapters coming up, but I would have said yeah, but she really comes through in terms of detective work in the next few chapters. Sort of. She's just so, she's just like, her her approach to things is like, so how you doing about this? Or, <laughs> so are you Black Aja? No? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, we, yeah, we could talk about that. But uh, yeah, my impression was that Egwene was sort of caught up in these things and, and didn't have a lot of agency and was just scared. Like anybody could reasonably be scared, and Nynaeve is immediately on the job, right? She's yeah. like like Philip Marlowe, right? <laughs> she's she's automatically te- like checking everything everybody says for lies and controlling the information that people have and finding clues and coming up with plans. Uh, and you're right that she's not very subtle about it, but you know she's direct and aggressive. She jumps you know. in. Yeah. I would also like to say that I'm on Nynaeve uh, braid jerking watch. Oh man! And she is up to seven. Yep. Oh my god! As I was reading these chapters, now that I'm, now that you're you're mentioning, I could not I could not stop noticing them. They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's replaced the lip licking. Yeah. Instead true. of constantly licking lips, it's just jerking on the braid. Yeah, constantly. <laughs> or both at the same time. <laughs> so uh, yeah, away they go. They have been sicked on the Black Aja. Uh, speaking of chapter fifteen, the Gray Man. With a symbol again. Yeah, that reflection symbol again. I think it's some kind of... Maybe it means gray man or dark friends. Yeah, it's got to... I'm thinking that this has got to be a Black Aja thing because I think these are supposed to be Aes Sedai in the the emblem. But I don't know. Okay. So, Nynaeve plans to keep to the three oaths. They're discussing this as they head back to their rooms while she's investigating this, which seems to me to be... A mistake. Yeah, uh, for sure. A hundred percent. If you're if you have the Aes Sedai abilities, but you don't have to keep the Aes Sedai oaths, then you take advantage of that. You know, yeah. you lie a lot. And so to review them again, it's to, the three oaths are to never tell a lie, to never make a weapon. Yeah, to and... never to to speak no word that is not true, to never make a weapon for another person to use, and never use the one power as a weapon. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So all I mean, the stuff that's right. most useful. If you don't have to use it yet, then. 
If you don't have to follow it yet, why would you? Yeah, this is this is the only advantage they have. Yeah. Right? Although I guess if they're Black Aja, they've got to find, have found a way around the oaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The, I I wondered about this as well. I mean, it, the obvious answer is probably just the Dark One can like turn them off or something. <laughs> but but I wonder if there's something more to that. If they just if it's just like a struggle that they have, I don't yeah. know. But I, I do no- I did notice that Nynaeve is also doing her doing something we've seen before and pondering the idea of violence as like a personal risk sort of thing, like the cost of violence, I guess. Mm-hmm. A little bit. She talks about it. Uh, so Nynaeve and Egwene are having this conversation about using the power as a weapon, essentially. And Nynaeve says, you can come to like that too much. Uh, when I let out all of my anger at those white cloaks this morning, it felt too good. It is too dangerous. She shivered and quickened her pace again. So she's she she has this idea that resorting to using the power for violence is addictive or okay. something that she could get used to. Okay, that's a fair point. Power corrupts, kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm not sure I necessarily agree, but it seems sort of similar to the theme of the um, the Tuathan who say that violence damages the person who does yeah. it. You know. Well, as they're discussing this, a crossbow bolt almost skewers them. And it was a really well-aimed crossbow bolt, because it, it apparently would have killed them both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good shot, I guess. Yeah. They're standing right in front of each other. And there's a, a nifty little action scene where they're peering out through the railing to try and figure out who it is. And Nynaeve, who I'm telling you, is on the job. She catches the guy with this air. Is, this was pretty cool. She, yeah. She's, like, talking about how she's, you know, been learning about the, the different... The different elements, and she's like, air, the one that people neglect, can be so powerful. He's going to freeze the guy in his Yeah, steps. he catches the guy in, in flows of air or whatever, and, the, and it's pretty cool that he's been, like, he's, like, standing there in running pose with, like, his toe touching the ground. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he was running, and she just got him. But uh, he'd been daggered. Yep. Sad story. Yeah. Yeah. And he, his crossbow is missing, too. Yeah, that's right. Somebody yeah. stabbed him, and someone took the crossbow, so. Yep. Mm, the Bra- mystery deepens. Braid jerking t- number nine. <laughs> <laughs> this is a... This is a braid jerking worthy situation. It right? is. It it's is. pretty stressful. So Sherryum shows up conveniently. Oh, yeah, right. Mysteriously. Uh, huh. So what was she doing there? Mm-hmm. She, she doesn't seem to want to talk about why she's there. Huh. Yes. And uh, she IDs the guy as a gray man, which is the thing we've been talking about in this book. The, the soulless. soulless. Yeah. They're people that have given up their soul and they're not quite human and you don't notice them. They're not invisible, you just don't notice them. That was very creepy to me. Mm-hmm. Here's another question, though. The soulless, the gray men, give up their souls to serve the Dark One as assassins. They are not really alive after that. Once again, the question is, why would anybody do this? <laughs> why? It does yeah. not seem like a, a an advantage. I mean, like, I guess if you just like killing, maybe, you know. Like, I love killing. I wish there was a way I could be better at killing the Dark One's like... I got a trick for you. <laughs> Give me your soul, man. I guess. That's all I can figure. Because, yeah, like that does not seem like a good way to go for mm-hmm. most people, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe they're not willing when they do it, but... Yeah, I mean, we did... So so something that I thought about is, you know, if we saw that scene in the previous chapters where there was a guy walking through the, the dream world and his skin was torn off, I was wondering if that was a soulless being created. <laughs> you know, like maybe skinless. Well, maybe the skin is what remains, and then the dark one fills it with. You know, oh man, that would be really creepy. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it can just happen to you in your dreams. I don't know. Oh yeah. It it does in this chapter seem to imply that they go there willingly to but, go to yeah. Shalgol. That's a good and point. Sign up <laughs> because you know you just go for a walk and then you find yourself in Shalgol and you're like, well, I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> yeah. There's a guy you know out in front. Hey, come on in. <laughs> Seems so friendly. Yeah. 
Uh, and Nynaeve, by the way, immediately proves my concern about her lack of subtlety, just like interrogating Sharon really, <laughs> really aggressively and really suspiciously. Yeah, but, why are you here? But that's her job, right? <laughs> she's hunting the Black Aja. Yeah. She's, she's going to be like, hey, so what do you think about the Black Aja? They don't <laughs> seem so bad, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> she's got to take some risks. Uh, I guess. And uh, Ig- Egwene goes to try and hide the crossbow bolt, but it's gone. <gasps> Creepy. More gray men. They didn't see anybody else. It must be. But Shram is totally suspicious. She totally is suspicious. Yeah, definitely a suspect. Yeah, they never... Uh, yeah. So they, they repair to Nynaeve's room instead of the novices' area where they were at. Uh, and I wrote down in my notes that they say the words Black Aja out loud constantly as they're walking through the hall of face. Yeah. I sure hope no one's listening to them talking about the Black Aja. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> That's, this is yeah. super suspicious. Yeah, come on. Very guys. unsubtle. Yeah. Have you forgotten the Black Aja? What about the Black Aja? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I sure am afraid of the Black Aja. Right. So they head back to, uh, yeah, Nynaeve's room. Then chapter 16, Hunters 3, with Icon of the Lion of Andor. And in Nynaeve's room, Elaine and Gawain and Galad are there. Made super inappropriate, man. Come on. Is it? Yeah, this is not even, this is Nynaeve's room, and it's like all these people are just like hanging out in there without her permission. I'd be irritated. It's like a college dorm. I guess. I don't know. I'd be annoyed. And we have, I wrote JFC next to this. We have a really cringy moment where Egwene is so into Galad because he's so handsome. Yeah, he's... she finds herself wishing he were seeing her in one of those Domani dresses men had told her of, the ones that clung and seemed so thin you thought they must be transparent even though they were not. She flushed furiously and banished the image from her mind, willed him to look away from her face. This seems like a really weird thing for Egwene to be thinking about this guy. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. this is seem... Uh, I, I, I've never been a young woman in, <laughs> who has a crush on a guy, but to me, like... Would she be thinking, oh, man, I wish, I wish I were wearing something super sexy right now? I mean, like... That, that I doesn't... wish she could see my boobs. Yeah. <laughs> something, I, it doesn't seem like they think a lot. I mean, right. to be... to be Like, at first, I, it is ridiculous, but on the other hand, like, have you seen the way women dress on Halloween? I mean, yeah. Like, it's an excuse to put your bits out there, you know? That's yeah. fair. Be a sexy nurse yeah, have or fun. sexy salamander. <laughs> sexy slice of pizza. Sexy slice of pizza. Whatever. That's, real. That's redundant. <laughs> True. A slice of pizza is by its very nature sexy. <laughs> yeah. So but, she just wants to show off her bits. But Galad is laying it on, like he's got this like charm thing he's laying on super thick and it's just like, it's pretty damn skeezy to me, you know? I think that He's one of those dudes that, like, whatever he's going to say is going to work because he's so pretty. Yeah. And his, like, his, his game is weak, right? He just doesn't know it because he, he looks so good that it always works. Yeah, he is, because, like, reading him on the page, he is creepy to me. Like, I, I think he's a creep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Gawain and Galad are there because they want to know where their sister has been. Their sister, the daughter of Andor, uh, daughter heir of Andor has been, and where... You know, their their crush object, Egwene, has been, and they probably don't care about Nynaeve. But, <laughs> yeah, the, the buzzkill Nynaeve is probably but, what they're thinking. But there's a whole, this whole scene made me really mad because I think they are in the right to press for answers here. And, they, and the women are just like, get out. Like, you do not deserve answers. You do not have the right to ask us any questions. And the, Nynaeve threatens them. Are they really entitled to that information, though? I think that they're within bounds asking very insistently, right? Uh, I don't. I don't think they're. I don't think that the response of getting angry at them and and threatening them is a reasonable response. Yeah, 
The All whole right. tower was in a turmoil. Mother was half crazed with fear. I thought she'd tear the tower down with her bare hands. Yeah, this, this is a like an international incident that has been caused here. So it's their jobs to care about this, much less it's their sister. Yeah. All right. All right. That's and, and, fair. and they don't they don't say anything like, "Well, we can't tell you," or they don't give them like a fake response. They just tell them to fuck off. Yeah. And and then they and then they like make them run away by scaring them by threatening them to, with punishment from their boss or something. It's well, just... I mean, I think if she asks them to leave, they should leave. I mean, like I, I again, I think this is like this t- strikes me as an invasion of personal space kind of thing. And the fact that she like tells them to leave, and they're like, no, or you know, they did they, they like that that would piss me off. I'd be really irritated. I, about I that. would be angry about it too. But also, I think that they would be totally reasonable grabbing Elaine and dragging her back to Andor at this point. Like, this, we were talking about the fate of nations. Yeah. This is a big deal. No, that, that, that's true, but they don't... I guess that's not what they want, right? They don't... Yeah, they don't even do that, right? They're just they're just being rude and being in a room where they're not wanted, trying to get answers. Well, it strikes me that, they, that they're not actually so much concerned about... And, and this could just be my interpretation, that they're not so much concerned about the international incident they just want to know what's going on, you know? They just want the information because they want it, not because they're yeah, going to they do anything be. useful with it. But after they've left, we learned that even though Egwene likes Galad, both Gawain and Galad like Egwene. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's the second they're alone, right? The <laughs> yeah. second they're alone, they're not talking about you know this this white cloak situation. They're not talking about the dire straits that they're in. They're talking about fucking boys. It's just like <laughs> God, man, who likes who? You know? Yeah. At least Nynaeve kind of actually, for the first time that I've noticed, she actually calls him out on. It. She's like. Guys, come on. We have more important things to talk about here. Mm-hmm. And, and speaking of, she immediately brings Elaine in on the Black Aja hunt. Yeah. Which I thought, I thought there was going to be some, you know, they're going to hide it from her. And she'd be like, why are you hiding it from me? And there's going to be some drama there. But Nynaeve's like, no, not at all. We are going to get her in on it because we can trust her. And because this gives us an ally that even Swan Sanche doesn't know that we have. Yeah, I think that I think it is smart. But at the same time... An ally with great resources at her disposal. That's a good point. Well, I think that... I, I wonder if Swan Sanche would have chosen Elaine and brought her into the confront if there wasn't this incredibly messy political connection as well. That's what Swan, that's what Swan, it's, it's hard to say for sure because nobody actually says what they mean, but that's what she, that's what yeah. Swan seemed to imply is that. Maybe it's what she wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now she's clean. She didn't do it herself. Yeah. She said something, didn't she say something like, I would have brought her in on this too, but there's the whole thing with mm-hmm. Andorra and I don't want any more heat from that. Yeah. Uh, so far, I think Nynaeve is handling this investigation very well. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. Oh, so you're Team Nynaeve now. I see. I, uh, okay, I'm half Team Nynaeve. <laughs> and then we get the most awkward, awkward metaphor ever, where they're, Nynaeve is explaining to Elaine everything that happens, and then Elaine says, Why, that's like being told to go up in the hills and find lions, only you do not know where whether there are any lions, but if there are, they may be hunting you and they may be disguised as bushes. Oh, and if you can find any lions, try not to let them eat you before you can tell where they are. (laughs) Okay. I I read this as like a comedic scene or something. Yeah, I I mean it's it's like, okay, buddy, the reason you use a metaphor is you pick something people are familiar with (laughs) and liken it to the situation so they can better understand it. And literally nobody is familiar with that situation. (laughs) You don't know about going up into the hills to find lions? Who might be bushes. Yeah. <laughs> it's like being sent into the jungle to hunt, hunt giraffes, giraffes, except these giraffes are invisible. And also giraffes are man-eating giraffes, so they're not really that much like yeah. giraffes. But also, also giraffes can look like anything. Yeah, hopefully that clears things up. <laughs> <laughs> and the giraffes are actually the Black, black Aja. <laughs> like, what if the giraffes, were, what if the lions were actually Black Aja? <laughs> Metaphor. <laughs> 
Oh man. Yeah. I think you're doing it wrong. It's funny. And they I, I think this is a comedic scene though. I think that's intentionally silly. It's reasonable that they would be worried about what they're being asked to do. No. So they Nynaeve also is gearing up to just go try and heal Matt. Yeah, what could go wrong, right? It's like a terrible idea. I know. She puts way too much stock in her herbs. Mm, yeah. And then an Aes Sedai barges in. So chapter 17, the Red Sister with the Flame of Tarvalon. And uh, I want to say these chapters flow together really well. They do. I think this, this is a, a change from how Robert Jordan has structured the books previously where there are these long chapters. Mm-hmm. These yeah. are pretty short and they, they have nice cliffhangers that, that kind of compel you. Even though these are just mostly conversations that are happening right now, mm-hmm. it's still compelling, I think. I actually, I was wondering about that because this this whole set of chapters marks kind of an, an abrupt change in his chapter structure because that's that's exactly right. They're all, everything from this this particular episode, the chapters are much shorter and they don't swap characters so rapidly. So in, in previous books of his, I imagine these all would have been a single chapter and just, you know... A little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I wonder why he changed seemingly abruptly in this. I would say he's getting better as a writer. It could be. I think these these chapters do a better job of capturing one idea and kind of one phase of the the drama. Mm-hmm. I so, think it makes it more readable. I agree. I I found for the first time since maybe like the first when we were reading the first book, I found myself like having trouble putting the books down at the end of a chapter. Yeah, I felt mm-hmm. a little bit less sloggy. Yeah. Yeah. So the Aes Sedai that came in is Elida. The meanest Aes Sedai in the world. Yeah, I know, I guess Leander is meaner. Uh, I, I don't know. Elida kind of sucks. I'm going to be honest. I think uh, she kind of sucks. I, I'm a little bit on Team Elida. Because there are secrets that are being kept from her. And these are important things. She does have information that's useful. She knows that Rand is important. I don't... Here's the thing, though. I don't think Elida is Black Aja, but she sure fucking acts like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she is so, like... Like sinister in her approach to things, so aggressive and mean that like it's hard to trust her. I think yeah. if she were a little bit laid on a little bit more honey, then she'd get a whole lot further with just about everything. You're probably right. She comes in and interrogates them. Yeah, it's it's absolutely an interrogation. Yeah, and she mentions the Black Aja, which is something you're not that that's suspicious mm-hmm. that yeah. she comes in and mentions that right away. But she she brings up an interesting point about uh, Elaine and her future. She's talking about Elaine being the first Aes Sedai queen in hundreds of years, which I'm not sure actually how I feel about the idea of an Aes Sedai queen. Yeah. That's a, that's a little bit too much power consolidation, right? Like, if you're if, if an Aes Sedai is running a nation, she's going to be beholden to the White Tower, right? Yeah, she yeah. still has to call the Amaralyn Seed mother and, and obey her, right? Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, to be fair, most rulers do seem to do that more or less... But that's a little bit too much of a connection. That that almost seems like a way of like annexing a nation to the to Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. I'd worry about that. Yeah. yeah. She also asks about Rand because you know she had that foretelling that Rand is going to destroy everything in the whole world. Yeah. And I think she is reasonable, like digging for information about this among the people that are clearly hiding it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, she gets interrupted because Sherium comes in. To the rescue, question mark. I don't know. <laughs> right. Is, is she Black Asha? I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of been hinted in that way. She's very suspicious, for sure. Right. Even though she's sort of motherly in, in other ways. You know, they. I think they like Sherium. Yeah. And she's investigating the Gray Man. Uh, and, and talks about that. And, and she immediately is like, why did you tell Elaine about the Gray Man? I, I, told I specifically you not to just told you not to do that. <laughs> And then he's like, 
Shrug. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But she is taking them to Matt's healing. So they are going to heal him. About damn time. Because, it, what, it's been since the first book, right? He's been... He's been... He's had the dagger since the first book, yeah. Yeah, so he's been tainted since the first book and at least dying since the second book. It's a long taint. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> the, the taint of the dark one? <laughs> no, that's a different it's taint. It's so oily. <laughs> oily taint. And we get our... This is where our official uh, Nynaeve jerking her braid count ends for this this section of the readings at 18. Chapter 18. No, not at chapter... Oh, oh yes. Oh, hey. At chapter 18, that? but also this is the 18th time that she jerks her braid in the book so far. It happens a lot in this, wow. this set of chapters. It was constant. <laughs> yes. During the conversation, it was constant. Yeah, this is one of the things I remember most about these books is Nynaeve jerking her braid. She did not jerk her braid in the first two books nearly as much no, as No, she didn't at all. I was looking for it and I didn't see it once. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Just started. So, chapter 18. Healing. With a picture of the Heronmark sword for some reason. Yeah, that was confusing to me because Rand isn't in this chapter. Yeah, yeah I not because because that always has stood for Rand in one way or another, right? Yeah, yeah. Rand and the the sword fighting aspects of Rand. It makes me wonder if like <laughs> this was supposed to be the dagger because that's another one of the emblems, and like he got the files mixed up or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Right? With, like oh. <laughs> blade dot you know PNG <laughs> instead of like dagger dot PNG or something. Blade dot Heronmark and blade dot evil dagger. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> So they are head they head down into the tunnels beneath the tower, and they come to a room with Matt laying there and a bunch of Aes Sedai, like ten of them. I want to point out a description here that strikes me as a super backhanded backhanded description of uh, Anaya. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see here it is. Um, the test had shown nothing one way or the other, but plain faced, kindly Anaya with the with that warm smile that was her only beauty. <laughs> I kept calling for back. It's like, man, that's not a very, that's like kind of a cold, mean that's, way to describe somebody, right? I don't think anyway. it is. I mean, it's just, it's true. Why mention her appearance, you know, at all? Yeah, if, she, he, if she's a nuggo, but at least she's got a great he, smile. I mean, like that, that like that's, that's not a weather or a butterface. Because right? he mentions, because Robert Jordan is incapable of talking about a woman without describing her. We know what literally every single Aes Sedai looks like. We know what Elaine looks like. We know what Nynaeve and Egwene look like. He spends a lot of... We know what Selene looks like. Do you think he does that more than for the male characters? Yes. Because he just he talks about Perrin's arms a whole lot. Yeah, but I don't think... Well... And we know Rand is uh, tall with red hair and gray eyes. We don't know much about Matt. Yeah, we don't really know what Matt looks like. I mean, we do get a little bit. Like, he describes... We definitely know what Land looks like. Right. He yeah. talks about Land constantly. Stony face. Yeah. Eyes so cold. I guess. Long, I, <laughs> rippling hair. I guess because there's more women and, and because I notice it more because they tend, the Aes Sedai women tend to be beautiful, it yeah. seems I think, like. I think you're right. I think he, I think he mentions it more often, not just when you first meet the characters, he mentions their appearance mm -hmm. more often. I just feel like there's a lot of other ways you could describe Anaya that don't involve calling her, you know, kind of <laughs> ugly, but you know, at least she's got a nice smile or something. That seemed a little weird and out of yeah. place to me. I think it's supposed to make her seem more trustworthy. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Because she's... She's ugly, but she has a beautiful smile. She's a beautiful person inside. Yeah, I maybe. guess so. Yeah. yeah, maybe. When she opens her mouth, the beautifulness shines out of her mouth. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so this healing scene, they heal Matt, and they channel lots of power. They use a... a sawing grill? Sawing grill. Yeah, 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 which we haven't actually seen before, and apparently they only have a handful of them. They keep it in a special box... And 
they, they're using it and they all link together and they're all healing at the same time, mm-hmm. which I guess is something they can do. I thought this scene was cool. Yeah, it was cool. This this actually struck me as like a little bit of like a the Exorcist sort of scene where he's like his back is arched and he's like looking around like speaking in tongues. Yeah, and... he's like shouting at them in the old tongue like unhand me, I said I. Yeah, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Except he doesn't, you know, he doesn't speak the old tongue. That's awfully strange. It is. But all a, of a sudden he's speaking. He, he speaks it significantly in this chapter. Yeah. yeah. It, they they manage to get the dagger away from him, and it, during this process. It's, Actually, I found it a little bit humorous that, like, they're moving the dagger away from him very slowly, <laughs> and that's how they're breaking the, the the connection. You know. Yeah, and then they get some some I, I presumably magical tongs and put it in. The, <laughs> yeah. I think it's just a lead box. It right? looked like a lead box with yeah. thick walls. Yeah. yeah. And then go bury it or something, or go back to Shadow Logoth and throw it over the walls. <laughs> <laughs> Take it back more death. <laughs> nice try, guy. <laughs> but it works. Matt and the dagger are severed. And, uh, and yeah, Matt is, he starts ranting in the old tongue and then he like opens his eyes and glares at them and shouts at them. And uh, then the Amarlin tells us what he said. Yeah. He was ordering soldiers in a battle 2,000 years gone. Uh, there was more than a battle. And let's see. He said, I am a free man, I said I, I am no I said I meet. In the old tongue, which is, yeah, interesting. Yeah, so how about that? That's unusual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Farmers from the Two Rivers usually don't shout that at I said I. Yeah. No, no, it's because the blood is so strong. <laughs> the blood of Manethrin is very strong in them. <laughs> and Egwene is like, well, it's weird that he doesn't want to be with the I said I because Manethrin was allied with Tarvalon. And Emron is like, well, who knows, with guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Men be crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, that rings true. Like, if there was all women uh, in this because of practical reasons, then, and there were very few men, they would, I bet... They would like be like they would say things like that a lot. Like, oh, that's just some stupid men stuff. Yeah, we do say that constantly. Yeah, women be talking about how men be crazy. <laughs> yes. So they're done, and uh, it's back to work for Team Egwene. Matt doesn't wake up except for shouting at the Aes Sedai in the old tongue. Yeah. yeah. I would like to commend Robert Jordan for not uh, describing him as having a rictus of pain on his face, which mm. is a description he used way too much in the last yeah, book. I don't even know what a rictus. It's, it's like, like a grin, right? It's like a, it's, it's it's like a it's like a, I would say it's like a grimace. It's grimace. like a wide, toothy, like a purple face. guy that eats hamburgers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, why do you think he's called that? Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna get that. <laughs> That's reference. the expression on his face. <laughs> That's I mean, like twenty years old. Yeah, they don't. I, that guy doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah, they, they don't do grimace him. anymore. Yeah, he got killed off in season two of McDonald's. <laughs> How did he die? <laughs> With a rictus. Did, the, did the ham murderer get him? <laughs> the hamburglar's like more sinister older brother. <laughs> right, yeah. Yep. My, my cousin just got out of the state pen. The ham murderer. <laughs> what was he in for? <laughs> Killing Grimace. <laughs> Look, season four gets yeah, really he weird. Said some of the saying. guys inside had a message for Grimace. <laughs> Yeah, and so Grimace died with a rictus of pain on his face. <laughs> right, so that's, that's, that's the reference point that we're using. Is that look the Grimace had on his face when he was killed. By the hammer. murderer. Hand murderer. <laughs> look, he, he shouldn't, he, he shouldn't have crossed the Burgle brothers. <laughs> Sorry, the Burger brothers. So, chapter 19, Awakening, with an icon of some dice. Yeah. So That's this new. is officially, in my opinion, the first time Matt is an interesting character yeah. in the whole series. You know, it's it's funny you say that because 
uh, reading these chapters, and, and we'll, we'll get into it specific details. I like him so much more. <laughs> like, yeah, the new Matt, way better. We got we traded up with our mats at this point, you know. Mm-hmm. So Matt wakes up in a recovery room, and uh, he's he's all vagued out, and he's got no, his memories are coming and going. He doesn't quite know where he is or what's going on. He, he's recapping for us <laughs> yeah. as he remembers things. He's like, "Oh yeah, this is what happened in the previous books." It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's very convenient. I did notice in one of his memories, he's listing a bunch of things that he's not sure are real, like, oh, you know, uh, an army of monsters or whatever, and also a well-dressed man who gave me really good advice. You know, that is, that's all pretty real. I'm pretty sure that happened. But the, the well-dressed man giving advice, I think, is Bozzamon. I thought it was Tom. I thought he was talking about Tom Marilyn. Would Tom you... wasn't well-dressed. Yeah, you wouldn't describe him that yeah, way, Yeah, that's a good point. So I think he's remembering Bozzamon? Yeah, right? He, he's, like, trying to sort through all the things that he knows and what's, what's a dream and what's not. And the thing that is a dream, which is Bozzamon, he's like, yeah, that's real. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure <laughs> that happened. And uh, he immediately speaks Old Tongue and has this crazy flashback to this battle scene. It's actually pretty badass. It's yeah. awesome. It's really, really cool. I, well, so, you know, we said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, Robert Jordan knows how to write action. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. this is great. Yeah. So Matt is, is leading an army in this... Well, it's not Matt. He, he's having a memory of leading an army of spearmen against an army of Trollocs. And they're... Uh, the the spearmen, it says the spearmen stretch out for a mile on either side of him, which I thought was like a crazy amount, but I did the math. You know, if the, if their ranks are five deep, that's only about 13,000 spearmen. Right. Not that much. Yeah. Which that, is, that's a lot for historical periods, but for the modern period, that's not nothing at all. And probably a reasonable amount of soldiers for a large nation to have in, in this time period, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Trained soldiers under arms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he charges into him and he talks, thinks about how he's, He's renowned as a gambler, and it's time to toss the dice. And he <laughs> charges into the soldiers. Why are you rolling your eyes? It's awesome. <laughs> the, the, the toss the dice thing comes up a lot. Maybe get used no. to it. The dice yeah. are going to be coming around. Right. I'm thinking about it, turning it, up a count of the times they say toss the dice along with my, my braid jerking watch. You know, it is regularly times come about when the appropriate response is to toss the dice. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll let it go. Anyway, this scene's super cool. Yeah. And he doesn't really react. He's just like, oh, a flashback, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Weird dream, huh? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's that's odd. He's super weak. Uh, yeah, he has a lot of recaps and memories. And uh, he he actually thinks, like, I know, I thought I was going to go back to Emmons Field, but I'm not. You know, I, I don't want to do that. I want to see some big cities now. I'll go back eventually. But I think he's got, this is a change, right? He was always the guy like, this sucks. I want to go home. That's a great point. Yeah, up to this up to this point, he was the one, he might have been the last one who was saying, I can't wait to go back to Emmons Field, you know? Yeah. And he even talks about the fact that up until, you know, a couple of weeks ago, his biggest dream would have been to have the biggest farm in Emmons Field or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's thinking about trading the 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 Red Ruby for the, be- the, the what are those guys' names? The, oh, to the Coplins? The Coplins' like, best land or something like, like that. Those guys are jerks. I'll go give them a tainted character <laughs> from Shadow Logoth for their best farm and then watch them die. <laughs> I found yeah. the scene really humorous, too, because the entire time he's talking to himself and eating at the same time. So yeah. he's just sitting there mumbling to himself and shoveling food in his mouth. Yeah, and he looks at the food and he's like, that's enough for four people. Wow. And then he just like... He's eating it the whole time. He's eating the whole time and feeds himself. He's got like this monologue going on. (laughs) And his plan, after he recaps all this stuff and and eats all the food, is to just bail. Yeah, he's like, I'm out. This sucks. I'm going to get the hell out of here. So I love this little song because who has this... Who 
what is this song? It's really appropriate for this moment in his life. But it's, it's kind of a weird... Well, you, yeah. yeah. I'm down at the bottom of a well. It's night and the rain is coming down. The sides are falling in and there's no rope to climb. I'm down at the bottom of a well. This is a horrible song. Yeah. <laughs> but like, in what circumstance, other than this exact circumstance, but it'd be like the kind of thing where you're just like, I mean, is this like, you're sit- is this a nursery rhyme that you sing to a child? Probably not. Is this something you would sing in a room full of, uh, you know, celebrating yeah. people? No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, maybe there's a lot of... Uh, People that fall in wells in Emmons Field that we don't know about because there's no rope to climb. And, <laughs> and this is the song out. that you sing as you're dying at the bottom of the well. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of that song, the And the Green Grass Grows All Around, All Around. Which one is that one? The Green Grass Grows, grows all, all Around, All Around, and the, the Green Grass, grass grows, grows All Around. And it has the gosh, and in that. Yeah, but it's not like a dark song. It's like. Yeah, but there was like there there's was a, a, something in the. There's, in a, the toad, hole, there's a toad in the hole. In the, the hole in the ground, and the green grass grows, grows all around, around all around. around yeah. yeah. It's one of those like, there was an old woman's songs where it, each verse adds like another thing to the list. And yeah. The, the list gets longer and longer. Yeah. And he realizes that he blew the horn of Valera, and that's when he starts uh, singing the song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a good point because at this point, he doesn't know the implications of that, right? He yeah. just knows that he did it. He doesn't think- know that. That means he's the only one who can do it now. I think he realizes that means he's stuck. Yeah. He's not going to just walk away from this one. True. He's at the bottom of the well. Yeah. So chapter 20, visitations with a new icon, the moon and stars. We've been, we've been getting a lot of new icons in yeah. this book, in, yeah. in this set of chapters. It's like good. just in the last few, yeah. I like it. So there's a visit from the most beautiful woman he's ever seen, oh. black hair and black eyes. Oh, Celine's back and still not sinister at all, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Walks in and laughs at the Aes Sedai. I kind of liked how she has a different approach to him from than she does from Randon Perrin. Because she walks in and she's just like, yeah, you can't trust anybody. They're all going to use you. I'm going to use you too, but I'll give you glory. Yeah. Yeah. And Matt's like, what's this about glory now? <laughs> the, 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 honestly, she sells her side pretty damn well. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of times when the when I'm like, balls of mine, I don't know why you go for it. But like, the most beautiful one in the world walks up to you and is like, look. Everyone around here is trying to fuck you over. I'm probably going to fuck you over, too. But at least you'll have fun with me. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm, yeah. kind of, I'm kind of coming around on Team Celine. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> that's how it works. That's how she yeah. gets you. I know. She might just be the one that, that turned me into the dark side. That's all I'm saying. And she just flat out says, I will use you, um, but it's going to gain you wealth, power, and glory. I'm not going to compel you. You know, I'm just going to I'm gonna help you be the best man you can be. And she says, uh, unlike the other people, I will guarantee that you survive this, you know? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm giving you life. Everyone else might be trying to kill you. I'm not going to kill yeah. you. Yeah. And, P.S., your dad showed up at Tarvalon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your yeah, dad see, and Tamal Thor. Something mm-hmm. else I thought was interesting is that uh, she is... She, distingu- she distinguishes herself as separate from Balzaman in terms of, like her motives and her intentions, which could be a lie, of course. But she she says something along the lines of, of the that dark friends are all 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 pursuing Balsamon, but not me. As if yeah. she's maybe got her own plans. Like Balsamon is maybe not her primary Well, we we've learned that the Forsaken the Dark One's management style is for all of his underlings to fight each other as much as they fight his enemies. So right. the Forsaken hate each other. They right. they're always undermining each other because that way, the strongest rise to the top, theoretically. Sure. Yeah. But she, yeah, she disses both the Aes Sedai and Baal Zaman. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. Right? I think so, too. But she <laughs> seems like she has her own her own schemes. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So she's she seems like she's about to whammy him because he says something she doesn't like. Like, he doesn't get on board as much as she wants him to. 
Even though I think, you know, the door is open here. She could walk through it. This guy's into the glory. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She, sh- she should, should like, lay this on the ground, walk away, give him some time to, like, mull this over, come back. I mean, like, this is, mm-hmm. this is a... She's right. got it. Yeah, She's got, got it on the line. Uh, but then she bails. She sees something, like, or she senses something, which makes me wonder, is she, like, is she juggling the three dudes right now? And this is, like, <laughs> oh, I gotta go check on Rand? Is that what's happening right here? <laughs> very, very likely, right? Yeah. And after she bails, uh, he decides to bail, which I think is a totally reasonable response to this situation. Yeah. I kind of agree. You know, I mean, like, he's weak, and, you know, it's it's probably hard for him to, to get out, but, like, he should be getting out as soon as he can, you know? Yeah, and he's all worried, and he goes through all of his stuff. He finds all his clothes and, like, his stupid, like, striped rock that he's got. Right. And, and he's, like, really, like, he, he's got only a handful of coins, and he's like, oh, man, how am I going to support myself? And then he finds his dice. And he's like, oh, thank God. With these dice, I can support myself as, as long as I want, indefinitely. Which is a little bit of a weird way to approach this, right? He's like, oh, I'm going to go, like... <laughs> Jilt a bunch, or not? Uh, I'm gonna go bilk a bunch of merchants out of their money. Is that what, like the idea, right? He's gonna go play craps, man. Yeah, well, he's he's not gonna cheat. He's just gonna go win at dice. That's his plan. Yeah, that is that. I mean, is that a plan? Is that is that a yeah. well, not for normal people, I guess. Was he a gambler before? Do we have we heard mention of these dice before? Yes. Remember, he used to dice with the Sh- the Shinarans. Oh yeah. And he, and he said at the beginning of the Great Hunt, I just can't stop winning. Okay. So that's. That's kind of his thing now. Okay, so it didn't come out of nowhere. Mm, well, it's yeah. a recent development, maybe. It's a recent development in his life. Okay. He didn't, I mean, he's, he used to gamble, I guess, with the other boys or whatever, mm-hmm. while playing pranks and letting loose the badger on the ground. <laughs> right? Yeah. But no, that you're. that is a fairly, what's the word? It's been hinted out, but... But no, that's a pretty new aspect to his character. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that, in my opinion, makes him a lot more interesting. Because he actually has a thing. Uh-huh. No, instead of just being a whiner. Yeah. Yeah. Now they all have the power. And I and I really like that <laughs> he's just like, oh, yeah, my dice. Whew, there. I'm covered for money. <laughs> I'm set. So the Amarlin Seat and Leanne come in and visit with him. And there's some uh, another one of these awkward men and women's stuff. Mm-hmm. Where they, he's naked and they come in and she's oh, like, God, I know. Yeah, a little skinny for my taste, but not bad. Why don't you put on some clothes, kid? Like, oh, that was Celine, I think. Oh, really? Was it? I think that was Celine. But, but, but still, yeah, you're, you're right. This is, this is, a, this is a scene where the, the women are catching him naked because he says like, oh, he's only wearing a blanket and he, ooh, he accidentally lets the blanket slip a little bit. That, <laughs> it's, it's a weird scene. It's a little weird. Mm-hmm. Why is he not dressed? He's had a lot of time to get dressed. Because he's been too busy remembering things and eating while he talks to himself. So he's been he's been like sitting there eating naked. I mean, like that's 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 yeah, what standing this is. there you naked know what? eating. Eating naked is like one of the greatest joys in life. Okay. All right, that's fair. I, have, yeah. I just haven't tried it. That's, that's really. I don't know. I mean, you get crumbs on your your bare chest. It's better than getting your clothes dirty. That's what clothes are for. I don't know. I think we have to agree. Eating in the bathtub is like the greatest joy in my life. <laughs> okay, see, see, I've this, never done this. This is the real problem. I don't actually fit in most bathtubs. I'm too big. Mm. Mm. That's too bad. I know it is. It yeah, is. listeners, never you don't realize this, but Micah is six feet wide. <laughs> <laughs> you remember William Howard Taft? That's him. <laughs> I'm perfect. Special I'm actually perfectly round. I'm, I'm, I'm actually a circle. <laughs> Did you eat one of those blueberries? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Picture oompa, the. Oompa. Yeah. So the Emerald Seat and yes. Leanne have come in, and they want to keep Matt, obviously, and they sort of give him the impression that they want to keep him until he's well. 
But we know that's not true, and they don't actually lie to him. Mm-mm. I actually like this. This is one of those scenes that that made me uh, like the new Matt better because through this whole conversation, he's listening to what they say and he's looking for places where they're giving him in, in, uh, incomplete information, and he's probing them to see how they are trying to trick him. And he mm-hmm. kind of he kind of forces them to, to reveal maybe more than they wanted to. Yeah. By by kind of questioning them directly. Yeah, yeah. and he tests them because he knows now from Celine that his dad came. And so he tests the Amaral and Seton. She does reveal that, yes, his dad did show up. Yeah. And she'll totally make sure he gets a note if Matt wants to write one, which I totally believe. I, I actually think that that might be true because it doesn't necessarily cost her anything, you know, to, to have his father know that he's alive. I guess. Yeah, and that, that she wouldn't have told him, it seems, like she wouldn't have told him if he hadn't asked. Absolutely. If, yeah, that totally. she would have kept that information from him. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she does tell him and the fact that she admits to, to using him uh, is uh, is contrary to what Celine said, she, said yeah. that she would do. So, Yeah, yeah I, I think he's doing a better <clears throat> job dealing with these Aes Sedai than any of the other people that have dealt with Aes Sedai have done. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. he's, he's parsing their words carefully like he has to. Yep. But they, they also let him know that they, they don't want the Dark One to get the horn. So they have to protect him for that reason. And they're, uh, they've given orders to all the guards on the bridges so he can go out into the city... But he can't cross the bridges. Yeah, right. he's not getting out. Yeah. Uh, so she leaves, and uh, Matt is scheming to escape. Which, good luck to him. So chapter 21, A World of Dreams. With a, another new icon, which is a, a ring, which uh, is, I believe, is the Terran Grail that we're about to, to see in this chapter. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. So <clears throat> Egwene, after <laughs> doing her duty scrubbing pots, is summoned to Varen's rooms. And I love Varen's rooms. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, these like dark like book, these these shadowy rows of bookcases with you know ancient dusty. Yeah, all and... kinds of like artifacts and stuff, and it's all in a jumble. Like, and it's you could just see Varen puttering around there and, and reading old things and writing old things. Yeah, she she describes uh, a couple of the things that are in there, and I, and one of them is it is it maybe the skull of a dinosaur no, or an alligator? I thought it was a grome. Uh, the skull of a grom, perhaps. Oh. They said it was long. It says, um, what appeared to be a stuffed brown owl stood on what seemed to be a bleached white lizard skull, but could not be, for the skull was longer than her arm and had crooked teeth as big as her fingers. Mm. And then the owl blinks at her and it turns out it's alive, <laughs> which she thought it was stuffed, which was funny. <laughs> yeah. It, of course, Viren has an owl, wouldn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And there's also a Trolloc skull in there. Like, she's got some unusual artifacts just sitting around her office. It's super mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, I, I would like to just hang out in this area and, and see all the stuff that she's got. Totally. She wouldn't let you, though. No, she wouldn't. No. Because she got to keep secrets, because that's what we do. You won't. So, Varen gives her a list of Leandrin's Black Aja and the Terran Grial they took, which is really good information if you're trying to figure out what's going on mm-hmm. with the Black Aja. And she says that she doesn't think it's going to be useful, though, which I thought it was interesting. She's like, this doesn't seem like very useful information to me, but, you know, have at mm-hmm. it. Yeah, it honestly doesn't seem very useful to me. The Terran Grial stuff seems useful, but the the names of the Aes Sedai that, that left with Leandrin, you know, like... But what they took, right? They, like, I mean, be... that, there's no connection between them and the other Black Aja, right? That's, that's the deal with these dark friends. I suppose so, yeah. I don't buy it that Varen is just as secretive as the others. I don't understand that, because if her pu- pure her total pursuit is for 
knowledge, then you want to mm. share as much information as possible. Yeah, I agree. So it never rings quite true for me when they try to make her out to be like scheming and secretive because she's not. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Well, she does. She does kind of reveal a lot of information about the way that the dream world works, and it gets kind of abstract. Actually, she's trying to describe it as uh, like these. She's describing the the parallel worlds, which yeah. we already know about, and then these crosshatch worlds. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is she's descri- she says there's a world of dreams. Tell Aran Riyadh, I'm gonna pronounce it. Yeah, and that this is where the dreamers go. They go to the world of dreams, and yeah, there's there's the world and the world of the portal stones, which are all parallel, and there's these crosshatching worlds, which uh, are like I guess crazy worlds that are like. Like, the the pattern is weaving a tapestry out of worlds, you know, not just people's lives in the individual world. Yeah. yeah. So it's this unimaginable thing, and that Teleron Riyadh exists around or inside all the worlds, but also there's only one creator and only one dark one. And if the dark one is imprisoned in all the worlds, if he's imprisoned in one world, he's imprisoned in all the worlds, and if he's freed in one world, he's freed in all the worlds. Yeah, it was, it was really interesting reading that, because it, it uh, when I read that, I recalled all the times that that we had conversations with the dark one and, and how he seems to talk as if all of the different realities are indistinguishable to, and indistinguishable to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess they are the, the dark one has a perspective outside the pattern. Yeah. And I want to give props to Robert Jordan here. I think he made Varen describe it in a very understandable and succinct way. Yeah. Some very complicated ideas. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, this is, it's mind bending. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So she wants Egwene to use her possible status as a dreamer to help her against the Black Aja, which I don't quite understand. But she gives her a Terre Angreal that helps people dream. It's like a little Mobius strip, it seems like, the way that yeah, she describes like it. like a, a ring, but not for your finger, just like a ring-shaped thing that's twisted. Mm-hmm. And it helps It helps dreamers. It, this, was, this belonged to this other Aes Sedai who was the last known dreamer. Like 400 years ago. Yeah, a long, long time ago. And and then says, okay, now go get him, tiger. And Egwene leaves, and it is revealed that Varen also has all of that woman's notes, and she did not give them to Egwene. And, and I, yeah. don't, I don't understand why. I, I mean, it could be one of those things where this is like a hint that we're going to, you know, pick at more and learn more later. But mm-hmm. it seemed very contrary to Varen's interest yeah. to not give her this information, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You would expect her, like Alice was saying, to give her too much information. Yeah. You know, re- piles of documentation, that's exactly the kind of thing that Varen would be into spreading. Yeah. And then it says here she considered burning the manuscript that has all the notes from this previous dreamer, um, but destroying knowledge, any knowledge, was anath- anathema to her. And for the other, dot, 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 no, it is best by far to leave things as they are. What will happen will happen. It's very, it's very uh, confusing. So there's something in there that she wants to hide from Egwene because... Yeah. It is it reflects badly on the Aes Sedai because it's too dangerous. Maybe it would. Maybe she's trying to hide how dangerous this is from Egwene. Yeah, maybe it would dissuade Egwene from doing it. It, it. it definitely, to me, it seemed to imply that Varen has ulterior motives that we have not yet seen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what those are, it's hard to say. And maybe the documents are all like, watch out or the shadows will snatch your skin off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dream, man, the dream place is full of those shadow snatchers. <laughs> and it's real sucks. It really sucks. So, yeah. old, uh, so we don't know what's in those notes. Yeah. I hope we find out because 
That's that's weird. Yeah, yeah and the, and the dream world stuff seems really interesting to me. So that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters twenty-two through twenty-six of the Dragon Reread. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan, and I'm Mike Sparkman. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. And please share us with anybody you think will like this. Please give us good reviews on whatever service you got this from. And please like us in real life. We're super likable. (laughs) Until next time, the The light light illumine you. you.